The Bible tells us in the very near future, the saints of God will join him for the marriage of the supper of the Lamb. At that time, we will receive our reward and go with Jesus to the Mount of Olives for what is known as the Battle of Armageddon. Will you be included in this wedding feast? Let's talk about it today on End of the Age. Well, hello and welcome again to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell, and as you can see, I am flying solo once again. Uh, Vince is off today, taking some well-deserved time off to be with his wife and his family. He's uh, celebrating their anniversary, and so uh, we thought it'd be nice just to let him have the day off and go enjoy his family. So I'm here once again, but I will not be completely alone because I do have a co-host with me today. I'm going to be teaching from Revelation Volume 2 the unveiling of Jesus Christ, and I'll be using video of Pastor Baxter to help me teach today. And so I know that uh, folks have told us in the past that they really enjoy that when we uh, get to incorporate some of uh, his video in there. And so if you haven't had the chance to see the Revelation Volume 2 for yourself, uh, you might want to uh, check into that, and you can do that at uh, endtime.com. Go to our store and you can uh, see those DVDs there for sale. You could get the DVDs yourself or you could uh, go on to End of the Age uh, Plus. And if you sign on there, you can watch it there as well. So uh, very good uh, content on End of the Age Plus. We have everything from our library on there and it's just amazing to be able to use that. I actually use that when I teach uh, at my local church. And so... It's a great tool to use, and it's also a great learning tool for folks. So anyway, as we get into uh, our message today, I just wanted to say, you know, uh, when we talk about these things, I get emails from folks sometimes that are a little afraid and they uh, are concerned about the times we're living in. And so a lot of people, Christians as well as non-Christians, are afraid to even talk about the Battle of Armageddon. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is a, a, an apocalyptic war that, uh, you know, between good and evil, it scares us. It, it makes us worried. But if we're born again, biblically born again, and our name is in the Lamb's Book of Life, we're going to be included in this uh, wedding supper of the Lamb. And we'll not have to be afraid because our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And as always, we don't want to teach fear, but we want to teach hope. And so today, if you're uh, needing to, to understand that more thoroughly, what it means to be born again and how you get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, uh, we have a free brochure called What Do You Mean Born Again? And you can receive this through um, calling 1-800-END-TIME and talking to one of our customer service operators, and they'll be happy uh, to get one sent out to you. Or you can also go... Uh, online to endtime.com backslash reborn and you can see it there as well. So that is just important that everyone needs to understand that and needs to know especially in the times that we live in right now. 
And so today I want to talk about it because this is an important subject and there's a lot to talk about. I hope we get to everything that we need to discuss today. Uh, so I think what I'd like to do is just go ahead and jump into that first video with Pastor Baxter. Welcome to Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, lesson 18. Our lesson today, the marriage supper of the Lamb and the battle of Armageddon. In our last lesson, God spent two entire chapters of the book of Revelation explaining the judgment of false Christianity. In Revelation chapter 17 and 18, false Christianity is referred to as the great whore. The extent of God's judgment against the great whore illustrates how much God hates false Christianity. The first five verses of Revelation 19 finish describing the judgment of false Christianity. A great voice of many people in heaven is heard to say in verse 2, For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. The remarks about false Christianity are concluded in verse 3, where it says, And her smoke rose up forever and ever. Revelation uh, 19, like he was talking about there, we see the beginning of chapter 19. We're looking at Mystery Babylon and the destruction that's going on there. So let's go back and look at a couple of chapters before this in Revelation 16. In verse 17, it says, And the, angel, the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as what was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the city, the great city, was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And Babylon, great Babylon, came into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon man great hell out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And man blasphemed God because of the plague of hell, for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. So the seventh vial is when Almighty God pours out his full cup of wrath on Mystery Babylon the Great. And then God spends the next two chapters talking about Mystery Babylon and the destruction. So before we go there, there's a lot of people uh, that when they teach prophecy, they say that the United States is Mystery Babylon. But we, we have a lesson called Mystery Babylon, Who Is It? And it gives all the clues uh, from chapter 17, and it talks about the true identity of Mystery Babylon. And we know that it's a false religious system. We also know from Revelation 13 that the uh, false prophet is going to be the leader of this uh, false religion. And we believe that false religion to be Rome and the Vatican. And so we know from these scriptures and the identity of the Mystery Babylon that whoever is the... Uh, Pope at the time the Antichrist is revealed is going to be the false prophet. And right now we see signs of that 
as we watch some of the things that this particular pope that we have right now promotes. He promotes everything uh, that the one world order is promoting and especially uh, the information about the uh, green earth and taking care of our environment. And, and he pushes many of the agendas uh, that the one world government pushes. And so as we continue on today, we're going to kind of go into the identity a little bit of Mystery Babylon and more. When we return from the break, we'll get into Revelation 18 and see what that scripture tells us and how it correlates with Revelation 19. So stay tuned and we'll get into it when we get back from the break. I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Welcome back to End of the Age. I'm Doug Norvell once again. I just wanted to remind everybody that we are uh, studying today in our volume two of Revelation series, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ. And we're on lesson 18, and this is the Marriage Supper of the Lamb and the Battle of Armageddon. So we're going to jump right back into it. In Revelation 18, verse 5, it says, For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her, double according to her works." The cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. 
For she saith in her heart, I said as a queen, and I am no widow, and I shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall utterly burn with fire. The strong, for strong is the Lord God who judges her, and the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. So they're going to watch uh, Mystery Babylon uh, be destroyed in the smoke of her burning. I wanted to show you this because when we look in Revelation 19 verse 1, it says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he has judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornications and have avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. So we can see when we look at this, we can see that Revelation chapter 18, talking about her smoke rising, what's going on in the earth and what's going on in heaven are correlating at the same time. They're seeing the same thing that's happening on earth. They're watching it from heaven. And it says that there's a great voice with much people. It goes back to what was going on in Revelation chapter 16 when it said that there were voices and lightnings and thunders coming from heaven. So understanding that and seeing that we've got Revelation chapter 18 is lining up with Revelation chapter 19 and we're seeing that events taking place. We're going to try to unravel this a little bit and look at this mystery a little bit more. So let's go to our second video here with Pastor Baxter. Now we come to the marriage of the Lamb. After these horrible pronouncements of judgment, the mood of Revelation 19 shifts to one of rejoicing. Verse 7 records, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Many people have taught that the rapture of the church occurs in Revelation 4.1. However, here in Revelation 19.7, the marriage of the Lamb to his bride, the church, has not happened yet. Also in verse 7, it tells us that his wife hath made herself ready. In verse 8, we are told it was granted unto her that she should be arrayed in fine linen, white and clean, which is the righteousness of saints. After this, the voice said to John, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's interesting that this is the only place in Scripture the marriage supper of the Lamb is specifically mentioned. Okay, so in that video clip, we see the scriptures that talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb and how the bride have made herself ready. Uh, but Pastor Baxter mentioned a very important thing. He mentioned Revelation chapter 4.1. So many believe that the rapture takes place there. So let's read that to try to understand what's happening in that scripture a little bit better. So we're going to go to Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 and it says, After this I looked and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, 
and I will show thee the things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one set on the throne. So notice in the scripture that John was called up, not the church, just John was called up in the spirit. But what was he called up for? To see what must take place in the future. So remember that John was told in Revelation chapter 1 verse 19 to write the things that thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Remember that uh, in chapter 1 we see the things that John has seen. In chapters 2 and 3 he talks about the things which are, the seven churches of Asia. And then in chapter 4 we go into the rest of the Bible. So the rest of this from uh, 4.1 on is future events. It's prophetical. It's what's going to happen hereafter. So when John was called up in Revelation 4.1, it was John only, not the church. And we see that when we look at that Revelation 19, that like Pastor Baxter said, the wedding of the Lamb happens in chapter 19. Many people say the church isn't even mentioned after uh, chapter 4, but there it is in Revelation 19. And it's just then time for the wedding supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So when we look at this, we also see another important thing that I want to talk about today. And it's we're always told that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. It's, it's given to us more than once in Scripture. So I'm going to look at a couple of passages here. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So Peter tells us the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is the day that the Lord returns. It's always referred to the day of the Lord in Scripture. Paul also gives us a scripture where he talks about the day of the Lord being as a thief in First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 1, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not of the darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief." So Paul gives us a little bit more information here. He talks about the day of the Lord coming as a thief in the night. But he says, listen, brethren, it will not take you like a thief. You're going to understand that it's coming because you're going to know the signs to look for. You're not children of the darkness, but you're children of the day. So this term as a thief in the night is tied to the day of the Lord and the rapture as well. So look back again at Revelation 16 that we read earlier, but this time we're going to bump it up to chapter 15. It says, Behold, I come as a thief. This is Jesus talking here. In the middle of what John's writing, Jesus says, Behold, I come as a thief. And blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So this is like a last minute warning of the rapture. This is the rapture happening. And then verse 16 says, And he gathered them together in a place in Hebrew called Armageddon. So 
he gathers the nations together for the battle of Armageddon. And then the seventh angel is pouring out his vial into the air. And that's when we hear the great voice that came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying it is done. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and there was a great earthquake. Such was not since men were upon the earth so mighty the earthquake and so great that the great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon came into remembrance of before God, and he gave unto her a cup of wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and every mountain was not found. And there fell upon man great hell out of heaven, every stone about weighing about a talent. And the man blasphemed God because of the plague of hell, and for the plague thereof was exceedingly great. So when you look at these events that's going on, you've got earthquakes, you've got lightnings and peals of thunders, uh, you have great hell that's coming down. Uh, every mountain and every island goes away. That can only happen one time, but yet we see this event again in the sixth seal. We see these events in the sixth and seventh seal and the seventh trumpet with the great earthquake and things like that. So the scripture falls right in line with Revelation chapter 19, how the host of heaven are watching the destruction of mystery Babylon and they hear the voices of the multitudes and turn to see the bride who has made herself ready. So they're up in heaven watching the destruction happen below and then they hear this voice of this great multitude. Well, why? Because in Revelation 16, 15, we're raptured and then the vial, the seventh vial is poured out and they're watching the destruction and we've been raptured now. We're there. They turn around to see this great multitude that's this voice in heaven. And they realize the bride is there. And it has come time for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And the bride's made herself ready. And she's given white garments because it says that white is the garment of the saints. And so we get a big picture of what's going on through these different chapters. So we can also conclude that the rapture doesn't happen. In Revelation 4.1, because we get a clearer picture and understand that it comes, uh, just like Jesus said, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Jesus said that in Matthew 24, 29 through 31. He lets us know, and it's just before the battle of Armageddon. So, understanding that, uh, we've got enough time before the break. Let's look at our third video. Immediately after this verse, in verse 11... Heaven is opened and Jesus appears in the sky. He is coming to the earth to receive his bride and to fight the battle of Armageddon. How do all these events fit together? The scriptures tell us in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. These scriptures are describing the same event as the bride meeting her bridegroom for the marriage supper in Revelation 19. Although we are not given much detail about the marriage supper of the Lamb, it is obvious it will occur somewhere in the sky. Since the church by then will have received immortal bodies, this could be held virtually anywhere. 
Some have speculated the marriage supper will last for seven years. It is obvious this cannot be true since in this 19th chapter, the battle of Armageddon follows immediately after the marriage of the lamb. Furthermore, what is the longest supper any of us have ever attended? Obviously two or three hours, maybe four. The second coming of Jesus is recorded several times in the book of Revelation. The last description of the second coming is found in Revelation 19, verse 11 through 12. And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. In this passage, John saw heaven opened. The same thing happened in Revelation 6:14. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. These two accounts are the same events. So there you get a big picture also. Brother Baxter does a great job of showing us how all these things correlate together and these scriptures come together. There's no reason for us to be afraid if we're born again, like I talked about at the beginning of this, because we're going to be at this wedding supper and we're going to receive our reward and get ready to come back with Jesus uh, to the Mount of Olives for the Battle of Armageddon. So people have asked me before, you know, how can it be a second coming if he comes and we're raptured and then he comes back? It seems like there's three second comings. But here's the thing. You think of it like um, if you're going to a destination and there's bus stops all along the way and people are waiting for a bus to pick them up. As the bus picks these folks up, they drive to the airport, get on a plane and everybody that's gathered on this plane is going to arrive in one destination. It's kind of how the rapture is going to be. We're going to be called up into the air like Pastor Baxter was saying there. Since we'll be immortal and we'll have these heavenly bodies, this wedding supper can take place anywhere. The Bible says that when Jesus comes back for his second coming, that we'll be gathered together with him in the air. And so as the rapture takes place and we all get there, once everybody's ready and we've received our garments, then we come back to the Battle of Armageddon. That's how that can happen. And so we're getting ready to go to a break here in just a second. But as we, when we come back, we're going to get into more of this chapter and discover how we can understand that it's Jesus that's on this white horse. As heaven opens up, it's going to be the Lord Jesus on this white horse. And then we get to come back. Pastor Baxter used to say in his conferences that he had already reserved that third horse and he was just going to be back there, antsy, sitting on his horse waiting. So one day we're all going to get to be there as well. We're going to get our horses and we're going to come back to the Mount of Olives with Jesus. We'll get back into the scripture when we come back from this break. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? 
With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Welcome back to End of the Age. Uh, if you're just joining me here at the bottom of the hour, I am flying solo today. Vince Stegall is uh, with his family. They are celebrating his anniversary today. And um, so we gave him the day off. And I am uh, studying through our Revelation series, Lesson 18, The Marriage Supper of the Lamb in the Battle of Armageddon. So before we went to the break, we watched a video uh, that was showing us a little bit more about uh, how the heavens would be opened up and we would be prepared to come back with Jesus Christ. So let's look at Revelation 19 now in verse 13. And uh, this helps us to understand who the rider of this white horse is. It says, The name of the one on the white horse is the Word of God. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, clean and white. Uh, So we know for certain that this is Jesus because John uh, chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 14, both tell us that Jesus is the Word of God. In Revelation 19, 14, it explains that the armies which are in heaven follow Jesus upon white horses. This refers to the church according to Uh, What we heard before where we receive the linen that's white and clean and that's the garments of the saints. It tells us that this army is clothed in the same garments. But then in Jude chapter 1 verse 14 it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. It's also backed up in Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14 is describing the battle of Armageddon as well. And so in Zechariah 14 verse 5 it says, And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, 
and all the saints with thee. So there's scripture there that backs this up, that the saints of God are coming back to the Mount of Olives with Jesus for the Battle of Armageddon. So we have absolute proof that the rider on the horse is Jesus and that the army that comes back with him are the saints of God or the church. So at this time, let's go to our fourth video. Let's review the events of the Battle of Armageddon. The armies of the world government led by the Antichrist will decide to invade Jerusalem. They will come across the Euphrates River, down through Syria, and will then cross into Israel. The battle will be joined with Israel in the plain of Megiddo, also known as the Valley of Jezreel. Included in this world government army will be Russia, Iran, Turkey, Ethiopia, and Libya. Israel will fight valiantly against the world government forces, but will slowly be driven backward down the Jordan Valley. After days of bitter fighting, the Antichrist and his armies will reach the city of Jerusalem. According to Zechariah 14:2, half of the city of Jerusalem will then fall to the superior forces of the world government army. When Israel is on the brink of defeat, this will trigger the intervention into the war by Jesus Christ himself. He will descend from heaven and the church will be raptured to meet him in the sky. After this, Jesus will place his feet on the Mount of Olives. Revelation 19, 15 through 16 describes what will happen next. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This passage describes Jesus treading the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. This same treading of the winepress by Jesus is described in Revelation 14, 19. Revelation 19, 15 also states, Jesus will rule the nations with a rod of iron. In Revelation 12, 5, it states the man-child born to the woman with the 12 stars around her head was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. This provides absolute proof Jesus was the man-child in Revelation 12. Okay, so now we're at the Battle of Armageddon. And I want to camp out here for a little bit because there's a lot of people that believe that the Battle of Agog and Magog are a, are a different war than the Battle of Armageddon. So I want to talk about that now and I want to discuss it by looking at the Scripture. And we're going to compare the Scriptures from Ezekiel 38 to Revelation. So let's do that now. We'll look at Ezekiel 38 verse 18 is where I'm going to start. And it says, And it shall come to pass... At the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. So we got the wrath of God happening here. 
Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, great earthquake, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of heaven and the beasts of the fields and all the creepy things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. Now remember, we've already heard about mountains and islands disappearing when we've looked at other scripture talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Continuing on in verse 21, it says, And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. And I will plead against him with pestilence and blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain, and great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So looking at that scripture, we see a lot of things that are happening there. We're going to watch this as we go through other scriptures here in Revelation and see that it's talking about the exact same event. So if you look at Revelation chapter 6 now at the sixth seal, it says, Behold, and I beheld, uh, when he opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth. Even as the fig tree causeth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and great men and rich men and chief captains and the mighty man and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens of the rocks of the mountains. And said unto the mountains and the rocks fall upon us and hide us from the face of him that setteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? So in the sixth seal, we see the same things happening. We have an earthquake, we have the mountains and islands removed, and the wrath of God being poured out. We also uh, see that the, uh, there's hailstones coming down, there's, the stars are falling from the sky. <clears throat> As we move on to Revelation 16, starting in verse 17, it says, And the seventh angel poured out the vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven and from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake once again, such as was not since man were upon the earth, so mighty the earthquake and so great. And then it says in verse 21, that there fell a great hell out of heaven and every stone weighing about a talent. So once again, we have this earthquake, the great shaking, and we have the hailstones falling from the sky at the wrath of God. So moving on now, we can see that uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39 are describing the battle of Gog and Magog. But we see that as though many people, like I said before, have contended that this battle occurs prior to uh, the final seven years of Daniel's 70th week, we can compare these two and we can see. And so we're going to look at even more proof here as we move into Ezekiel 39, 17 through 18 and Revelation 19. So let's look at this, Ezekiel 39, 17. And thou, son of man, thus saith the Lord, speak unto every feathered fowl, 
and to every beast of the field, assemble yourselves and come together yourselves uh, on every side of my sacrifice that I do sacrifice for you, even a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that ye may eat the flesh and drink blood. Ye shall eat the flesh of the mighty man and drink the blood of princes of the earth and rams and lambs and goats and bullocks and all of the fat fatlings of Bashan. And ye shall eat fat till ye be full and drink blood till ye be drunken of my sacrifice, which I have sacrificed for you. Thus ye shall be filled at my table with horses and chariots, with mighty men and with all men of war, saith the Lord God. Now, the same account is in Revelation 19, verse 17, and it says, And I saw the angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowl that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and them that set upon them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that set on the horse and against his army. Verse 20 says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them, and they had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped their image. These were both cast alive, into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. So it's very clear when we look at these scriptures and we put them side by side that we can see that the battle of Armageddon and the battle of Gog and Magog are the same exact event and that they take place at the second coming of Jesus Christ. So as we look at that also, we we see that uh, with this sacrifice, this could be... uh, the marriage supper of the lamb. Uh, I know that that sounds kind of weird, but you know, brother Baxter talked about one time, a long time ago, he said, you know, perhaps that there is this wedding supper and this is the great sacrifice. And he's talking to the beast of the field and the birds of the air. I mean, we really don't know because we don't have scripture that tells us exactly what's going to happen. Uh, I hope that we have a supper and there's T-bone steak and baked potatoes and things like that there, but we don't have that in scripture. So we don't know. But it's very clear back to the, to the scriptures here talking about the battle of Armageddon. We know that these things are going to take place. And the hope that we have in this is that the Antichrist and the false prophet will be defeated at that time. And we're going to receive the kingdom. So we're about to go to another break. And when we come back from that break, we'll get into Daniel chapter 7 a little bit as he describes the same event about the Antichrist being thrown into the lake of fire. So stay with me and I'll be back after the break. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. 
Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Welcome back to End of the Age. Uh, let's jump right back into the scripture here. We're in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, and he says, And I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did set, whose garment was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool, and his throne was like a fiery flame, and his will as burning fire. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, and thousands of thousands ministered unto him. And ten thousands and ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. And I beheld them because the voice of the great words in which the horn spake. The horn here is the Antichrist. And he says, and I beheld even until the beast was slain, the Antichrist and his body destroyed and given into the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season in time. So at the same time when uh, the battle of Armageddon ends and the beast and the false prophet are thrown into uh, the lake of fire, Satan's going to be chained up and he's going to be bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. We see this in Revelation chapter 20 and it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key to the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set seals upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. So we don't know why. God chooses to release the devil for a little season after that thousand years are over. But you got to think about during this millennial period, there are going to be people who uh, survive and live into the millennial uh, reign. And then there'll be people that are born into the millennial reign. And so all throughout time, God has given people free will and a choice to follow him or to rebel and reject him. And so... This is the only thing that we can think of that that God would release the devil at the end of this thousand year reign to be able to go back in and try to deceive the nations once more to give people a choice to follow the Lord God or to turn to the Antichrist and follow him. But we know from Scripture this is going to happen. He's going to be released. But the great thing that we can see is that there are going to be people that will survive into that millennial reign. And we know that because in that scripture also in Daniel 7 verse 12, it says, as for the rest of the beast, they had their dominion or their rule taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season at a time. So we know that Daniel seven seventeen tells us that these beasts are kings, are kingdoms. 
And there's, they're going to be the survivors of the Battle of Armageddon. There's going to be people from those nations that survive and live into that millennial reign. Zechariah 14 verse 16 backs this up. It tells us, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So apparently the, there's going to be people that survive that will have to go up and worship God in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles. We don't know why these people survive, but we know that they live into the millennial reign. So let's go into the fifth and our final video today to see what Pastor Baxter says about this group of people that live into the millennial reign. We have to ask, how will God decide? Who will be allowed to continue living during the 1,000 years. The scripture does not clearly explain who will be allowed to continue on earth. We do have a clue, however, from the Old Testament. When the children of Israel arrived at the promised land after leaving the bondage of Egypt, they did not believe they could possess the land. Because of their unbelief, God decreed that every person 20 years of age and older would die in the wilderness and would not be permitted to enter the promised land. Those under the age of 20 were not held responsible for the unbelief of their parents. Could it be that God again will not hold young people responsible for the iniquity of their parents? Approximately one third of the world's population today is below the age of 20. If this rule would hold true, there would still be plenty of people to inhabit and replenish the earth during the 1,000 year reign. God in his infinite wisdom will decide who will be allowed to inhabit the earth into the millennium. Okay, so he gives a good example there of, of what could be. Like he said, we don't have scripture that absolutely tells us this, but we have an example of those Hebrew children who were below the age of 20 that lived while everybody else died in the desert. These that were younger than 20 were able to live and go into uh, the promised land because they were not held accountable for the sins of their fathers uh, who had unbelief. And so... Um, this very well could be the reason why these folks live in there. One thing that we can be certain of is um, that there will be mortal people living into that millennial reign. There's going to be Jewish survivors as well that will survive the battle of Armageddon that are there when Jesus comes back. Remember that in Zechariah 13, they see Jesus and they see the nail marks in his hands. They see uh, the nail marks in his feet. They see that his side has been pierced, and they say, where did you receive these wounds? And he says, in the house of my friends. And they realize at that point when Jesus is on the Mount of Olives that this is Jesus. And uh, he's going to forgive them, and he's going to save them, and they're going to live into that millennial reign period. And so also Isaiah tells us that during that time uh, in Isaiah um, 65, 20, it says that a person that's dying at the age of 100 during the millennial 
uh, reign will be considered a mere child. And the same passage states that a sinner will be accursed. So there'll be sinners during the millennial reign, uh, but they won't be in the majority anymore. They'll be in the minority. And the, uh, the way that we age will be different. Of course, we who are part of the first resurrection, we're going to be immortal. And we're going to be uh, living as priests and kings over the mortal people that live into the millennial reign. And I've always thought and, uh, and I, I kind of believe in my own heart that uh, the, the parable of the talents uh, where the Lord talks about being faithful of a few and you shall reign over a many or be in charge of many. Um, I believe that that may come into play during that millennial reign. We'll be uh, given rewards and we'll have uh, bigger areas that we will minister to. Uh, but let's look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, and it explains this a little bit more in detail. It says, And I saw the thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that had been beheaded for the witness of Jesus, for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or their hands. And they lived and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And blessed and holy is he that had part of the first resurrection. On such the second death have no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. So this scripture is telling us that people who uh, refuse to take the mark of the beast and who died because of that, that they're going to be included in this first resurrection. But we can also know from other scripture that this first resurrection is going to include the prophets, the Old Testament prophets and Old Testament saints as well. And how do we know that? Because in Revelation chapter 11, uh, verse 18 this is what happens at the seventh trumpet. It says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, in the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou should give reward unto your servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. So that's an account from the seventh trumpet, and it lets us know that we're going to receive our reward. Our reward is being able to be with Christ for the Eternity. I mean, we're going to be raptured up. That's our reward to uh, be at that wedding to that marriage supper of the Lamb. And so that, that scripture lets us know that it's not just going to be the church now, but it's going to be the Old Testament prophets and saints as well. Revelation chapter 1 also tells us this in verse 5. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first of the begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever. Amen. And so we see there in two different places of the Bible, we get a, a perfect example of the fact that we're going to be able to be priests and kings and rule and reign with Christ. So you can't get tripped up that it says, uh, but the rest of the dead liveth not again until a thousand years were finished. And this is the first resurrection. When it says that, it's talking about all those who died in Christ. 
and who would not take the mark of the beast. So we'll get to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. After that thousand years, the Bible tells us, as I said before, uh, the devil's released for a short time. He's able to go out and um, to persuade people to come against God again. Uh, at that time, God will destroy everything with fire from heaven. And then the, uh, the great white throne judgment happens. Now, one of the great things that we understand about this is if you're part of the first resurrection, you don't have to worry about the second death. The second death is the lake of fire. And so at that great white throne of judgment, when the books are open and people are judged there, uh, it says that the, that uh, hell gave up the dead that were in them, the sea gave up the dead there. So at that point, that's where it's talking about the rest of the dead uh, live not again until the thousand years were ended. That's when the rest of the dead come there before the throne of God and they stand um, in judgment. And if your name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, then you're cast into the lake of fire. But we who are part of that first resurrection, we won't have to worry about that. So here's the hope. If we're born again of the water and spirit, like John uh, chapter 3 verse 5 says, we need to be born again of water and spirit. And we're washed in the blood of Jesus. We're buried with him in water baptism. Romans 6, 3, and 4 tells us that we're buried into Christ. We die with Christ and we're buried with Him in our baptism. And then we're raised to new life in the Holy Ghost. Romans 8, 11 tells us this. Then we're going to get to be priests and kings and rule and reign with Christ. So this is a beautiful image of what's going to happen in those final days uh, and, and what we've got to look forward to. We don't have to be afraid We don't have to fear anything. Like I said before we started today, if you'd like to see this study in its entirety, it's a a great study. It's beautiful, actually. And it's our Revelation Volume 2, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Lesson 18. You can get the complete set on on DVD at uh, endtime.com at our store, or you can call 1-800-ENDTIME and uh, talk to one of our operators, and they'll be happy to get that for you. Or you can uh, join Into the Age Plus, get that app, and you can watch it on any smart device. It's a beautiful study. You'll love it. It comes with a beautiful book, 10 DVDs, 11 in the second volume. So please check that out. Thank you for joining me today. God bless you, and I'll see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 